Hello, everybody. Welcome once again as we continue on in a series we're doing called Developing a Disciple's Heart. And uh, we've been into this now. We're going to be into it for a while. The series sort of comes out of the question that Jesus was asked, what's the most important thing in life? The question is actually, what's the most important commandment? But that's what they were getting at. And Jesus' response was, love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and, and since Jesus kind of summarized the most important thing, we've decided we would really dig into that for a season and um, uh, try and connect with it in a, in a very, very real and significant way. And we've said that, you know, initially our response to that is, is uh, our practical response should be uh, in order to love God like that and love our neighbors as ourselves, three things that we ought to be working on all the time, being thankful every day. Um, and that, that the attitude of thankfulness reminds us of who God is and his love for us and helps us to love him you know, with all that we are because it's really all about him. So we, we always say be thankful for at least five things every day. And then encouraging at least two people a day helps us to love others and get outside of ourselves and, and uh, realize how important that is as part of the process. And then that we love ourselves by doing the next right thing. That's the, the best thing we can do for ourselves. We talk about that all the time. And we've at the same time said, as practical as that sounds and as good as that sounds, I hope it sounds good to you, I think it's a, it's a really good way to try and live as disciples of Christ, um, that we don't always make it, that we fall short. Our flesh gets in the way, our issues get in the way, our sin gets in the way, and uh, we don't always carry out those simple things. We get distracted, sidetracked, all sorts of issues pop up. So we are developing then, um, I've called it a primer, to prime the hearts, so prime our hearts, uh, a primer, um, um, something that we can do to really connect every day uh, in a deeper way, and we're, and we're looking at sort of a, just a process that we can sort of move through throughout the day, starting hopefully early in the day, and then throughout the day kind of connecting back in. Um, that will help us to do those three things that we're looking at. And so we, we've, we've broken it into some sections, and we've, we've said we need to start by talking about getting focused and then getting thankful and then getting connected and getting dressed and, and getting encouraging and get her done and get her done, and that's what we're talking about. But we're, we're doing it a section at a time, and we're starting with the idea of getting focused, getting a throne room perspective. And we're using Hebrews 10, 19 through 25 as, as how we're looking through that, and that's what we've been doing so far up to now. Oh yeah, um, people have been saying I haven't told a joke for the last couple of weeks, and uh, I, sometimes, you know, it, it, it takes more time to try and find a joke than it does to prepare the message. And when that happens, I give up, because I'm like, okay, I'm done, I don't have enough time for that. So. Uh, but somebody gave me one this week. And see, the problem is, I've been doing this for so long now, I've told most of them, you know, the, and, and the, I don't very, very often get a new one. And especially, you know, it has to be really bad for me to tell it. And so, so uh, that's, there's a, you know, there is a, there is a bar that has to be maintained. But I do have a little something for you. Um, what do you get when you cross a porcupine with a great white shark? You get as far away as you can. Okay. See, there's a little thing that it has to fit into that fits well into the bad jokes that I tell. I like it. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate the groaning. That, that helps a lot. I wish we could mic that so that they could see it on television. All right. Hear it on television. Okay. So 
Um, we're talking about getting focused and we've talked about having confidence to go into the throne room of God because we're in Christ and, and, and that's how he sees us, which is this amazing thing. And we've talked about the new and living way that we have in him and, and uh, that we have a great priest in Jesus who's modeled for us uh, life and ministry and, and how to live with the throne room perspective. Um, we, we've talked about how he sees us as his pearl and his treasure and that, that we need to make sure our picture of him reflects that, that he's good, always good, only good, that he's faithful. And then, then we started talking last week about the fact that we're, in light of that, now that we've sort of gotten the idea of, of who we are in him and how much he loves us, that we're also to think about how that we, we can help other people to know this amazing love of God. And, and, and we've talked about that so far. Today we're going to be in the last verse of, Hebrews, uh, of that section in Hebrews 10.25 um, and, and look at the final part of, of getting focused together. Uh, but before we do that, scripture reading today is out of Second Thessalonians. Did I say that right? Second Thessalonians 2, 16 and 17. And it says this, May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by his grace gave us eternal encouragement and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good deed and word. And blessed be the word of the Lord. We're going we're gonna to be thinking about today how God encourages us as we look into how we're to encourage others. Hebrews 10.25 says this, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. So Hebrews 10, 19 through 25, therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. And let us uh, hold unswervingly to the hope we have, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Those are the verses that help us to get focused every day. And I hope that, that you, will, you will embrace them as a way to start each and every day as the things that kind of get you going and, and that you look forward to. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place. I love that in the mornings. So I, I, I wake up anxious to, uh, to go and hang out with God. Just thinking about that verse. Even on a morning like tomorrow morning where I lost an hour. Uh, but I still, I told you, I was up at like 3.30 the old time, 4.30 the new time. And I was like, well, I could try and sleep, but I'm awake. Let's go. And... Uh, we get to go and hang out with, with God in the, in the most holy place. It's just the, the most amazing thing that we have access to. And I hope that it excites you and you realize the, the tremendous um, blessing that we have in Christ to be able to hang out with God in, in the process. And that it changes everything. That, that having that context to move through the day changes everything the way that we look at life, and that's what we're talking about. So in Hebrews 10.25, there's three points that I want to make today about this last part of, of uh, our, our getting focused. And the first part is this. The writer of Hebrews tells us, point number one, let us not give up meeting together. Let us not give up meeting together. Last week, I introduced a phrase to you. I asked you to use it all week long 
to uh, kind of help you see where you were at, and that phrase was, it's not all about me. How many of you remember that? It's not all about me. It's not all about me. And that I encourage you to think about that throughout the day. Whenever you were thinking it was all about you, uh, whenever you got frustrated, um, whenever, whenever you had a situation like I had where I'm, I'm just minding my own business, coming down Keter Boulevard, wanting to come to the church, I think it's where I was coming, like on a Monday, a Monday. And there I pull up to the light, and it's late in the afternoon. And, and um, they're, they're, the traffic <laughs> is so intense that I'm backed up like halfway Kedir Boulevard on Big Pine. And they're, they're operating the light manually down there, letting the traffic flow through to Key West. And it took like four lights, like 15 minutes to make that left. And the whole time I'm thinking, it's not about me. It's not about me. Then every once in a while I'd think, seriously, we're locals. Shouldn't they let us out every now and again? <laughs> no, no, it's not about me. Ah, these people need to go to Key West. It's not about me. It's not about me. I had like in that one instance, 50 it's not about me's that I had to work through. It's not all about me. Well, as we think about this, this idea of um, not giving up meeting together, uh, I want to talk about the church and, and why it's so important for us to connect and to gather as the church. That, that it's not just something that we, we can do. Some people sort of have taken the idea, well, I'm part of a bigger church and I don't each actually need to be a part of a local fellowship. And it's, it's really just not scriptural. Um, you, you, you need to connect with the church. And there's a lot of reasons why. I'm just going to give you a couple um, of this whole process. Why we're not to give up meeting together. Um, one of them is this. It's, it's not all about you. And, and the church needs what you bring to the fellowship. That's part of the deal. The, the, God has given you gifts and talents and abilities and your ability to pray and to connect and to encourage and do all these things. And, and the church, the fellowship, the group, the body, whatever you want to call this, because you're the church, right? This is the building. You're the church. Um, the church needs what you bring to the fellowship. Uh, Romans 12.5, Paul said, so in Christ, remember that's who we are, we who are many form one body and each member belongs to all the others. See, it's bigger than you. You belong to everybody else, and everybody else belongs to you, and, and we're supposed to understand that that's part of the process, not all about me. Um, it's, it's not all about just, you know, what, what I want or need. It's, I'm called to a bigger thing, uh, that, that you're a part of the body of Christ, and in that, then, you have a, a certain responsibility to the others in the body of Christ. It's part of the deal. It comes with the, all the neat stuff. That it's, this is part of the process. And so... You matter. You make a difference in the body of Christ. And, and so part of the reason that we can't give up is that the church needs us. It needs what we bring into the fellowship. Each part is a vital, important part of the fellowship. And so even though we don't maybe always feel like um, meeting together, it's not all about me. It's just bigger than that. And having said that, I want to introduce the other concept because it's not all about me, and yet at the same time it's somewhat about me. See, that's why I say it's not all about me, but it is some about me, this whole process. And sometimes when we don't feel like meeting together, um, it might mean that we're heading in a direction that's really not good for us. Um, I, I, and see, part of it is, because we can write it off, that, that um, uh, sometimes people in the church um, can be difficult. Have you ever met any difficult people in the church? I never have, but I understand from what people tell me that sometimes... 
people can be difficult in the church. Sometimes you, you actually may not like some certain people in the church, and, 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 and so then one of the responses, well, I don't, I don't like them, so I'm not going to go. Um, but see, the, the thing is, the church, when, we're, when we talked last week about how important it was not to be pretend, when the church gets together, um, there will be people that you don't necessarily just right off the bat get along with, and that they, they might even rub you the wrong way a little bit, and yet, um, that's not an excuse not to meet together uh, in the process um, because we're, we're called to be apart. I, I love what Groucho Marx said one time. He said, I don't care to belong to a club that accepts people like me as a member. And <laughs> um, you have to kind of think about the fact that, that even though it's a group of broken people, you are too. And, and as, as people annoy you sometimes, you annoy other people. It's just part of the deal. So, so we have to go with the idea that, that sometimes we do that. But, but that can't be a reason for us not getting together. And sometimes the church gets, seems a little even more annoying because maybe we're not heading in the right direction or that we, a direction we should. So let me make a little illustration uh, that maybe will help present this a little better. And, and we'll use as a, in this illustration our friends in law enforcement. We have a lot of people in the church in law enforcement. God bless you, all of you. We really do appreciate you. But, but let me tell you a little bit. Maybe this will help. When you're in trouble or in need of assistance or if someone was messing with you and a law enforcement officer arrives on the scene, that's a good thing. You feel good about that. Uh, they're here to help. They're, they're, you know you're not alone. They're like a hero and you're like, yay, yay. So I'm so glad to see you. I'm so glad you're here. But if you're doing something maybe that you shouldn't be doing, you may not be nearly as excited to see that very same law enforcement officer. Depending on what you're doing, you might have a completely different feeling for that officer being there. Do you get that they haven't changed a bit? All that's changed is the direction you're heading in and what you're doing. I often think, you know, people uh, uh, that we make, uh, one of the things that we do to our kids is we make them crazy because we teach them when they're little, you can always trust a police officer, good, good, good. And then we see them when we're driving and we're like, oh no, it's the cops. And the, you think the, the kid's got to be messed up bad. Because they're like, good, good, good. But why are you like, ah? I think a lot of times people go, oh, yeah, we can't tell our kids about this or we shouldn't. And I tell them, I think you, you're making them crazy by the whole thing that you're doing. Because I know you're doing it. Cops. But I thought they were always good. <laughs> well, no. So, do you, you see, the only difference, the only difference is what you happen to be doing. Now the church, see, see the church, when you, when you get a hang of this, when you realize that in this life you're not alone and that you need assistance and you need support and you need encouragement and you need people to be accountable to, the church is a good thing. It's a good thing. Yay, church. If you're heading off in a little direction that you shouldn't, all of a sudden the church seems to be, re- that just filled a critical people judging me all the time, that church. Nothing changed but you. Do you get it? It's the direction you're heading in. And so, so we can't give up meeting together. The church needs what we bring to it, and we need the church. We need to get together. So the reality is you can't develop as a disciple without being connected into the church because the fruit of the Spirit, which the, the, the Spirit implants in you, is, is developed in the context of relationship and community. Think about it. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. You can't develop those things alone. You just can't. It happens in context. It's easy to love people if nobody's around. You know what I mean? Oh, I love them all. I just don't want to be with any of them. 
Well, that's not love. It's easy to be kind if they ain't asking you to do something, right? It's easy to, a lot of stuff is really easy outside of the context of relationship, but it doesn't grow. Patience is a piece of cake by yourself most of the time. It's just when other people are annoying you. Got you stopped at a traffic light and won't let you go. You get it? So, so see, we need it. We, we need to come together. You need, believe it or not, conflict is part of the normal part of the body of Christ. It has to happen because that's how we grow. We decide we'll stick it out. We'll work through it. We'll make it work. We'll, we'll agree. We'll agree to love. Uh, we'll, we're going to love even when we disagree. That's what we've been talking about in our studies during the week uh, as we look through 1 Corinthians. That Paul said, look, it's, it's, it's not about right and wrong all the time. It's about loving well and allowing the Spirit of God to work in your midst so that you can solve some of these things. So, so we need to love one another. First John 1, 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. As long as we're walking together in the right direction, um, getting together makes sense. Okay. So it's not all about us, but it's some about us. And we need to hang on to that and keep meeting together. Second thing, we need to encourage one another. We need to be encouragers. And um, we talked about that a lot here. I've done series on it. We've talked about it and talked about it and talked about it. It's one of the foundational things that we do, that we're to encourage others. To encourage literally means to put courage into someone. And so the ministry of encouragement is to, to put courage into people to trust and obey God because he loves them. And encouragers are good to be around because they build you up with their words, their actions, and their attitudes. In this world today, uh, encouragers are, are one of the most important things that can be out there. People who don't buy into all of the fear that's constantly being pushed at us and all the grumpiness that's trying to get at us all the time and who sometimes say, you know what, it's going to be okay because God's in control. We don't have to be afraid because God's in control. See, we, we don't have to... I've told you this years ago. It's been a long time now at, at some point, and, and I remember the year. It was 2008. It's been a long time. I finally turned off the 24-hour news cycle because I had gotten hooked on it. It filled up my days, my times. I would wake up, and if there was dead space, I turned on cable news. And I was just I bombarded with bad news. And I've told you, it's, it's, it's all, this is how it sounded. Bad, bad, very bad. More bad after this message. We have three people on now to tell you how really bad it is. Oh, and it's worse than we thought now. It's bad, very bad. Breaking news, something even worse has happened. Check this out. And it would happen all, the t all day long. And, and I started realizing it was anxious all the time, and I was getting all these strong opinions about things that didn't make any difference. I said, okay, I've got to take a break. And I, it's not that I don't listen. I hear news. I get, I get headlines, and that's enough. I, I need them so I know how to pray. But I don't need it pounded at me because then you get caught up in the fear, and you start taking on these things people say, and you start spouting them back out again, and all we're doing is spreading this fear everywhere. But we're to encourage. We know Jesus. We know God. We got the best deal in the universe. We, we don't need to be afraid of any of it. And, and the Bible's a book of encouragement, of truth, hope, love, purpose, forgiveness. Romans 15, 4 and 5. For everything that was written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. May the God who gives endurance encouragement give you a spirit of unity among yourselves as you follow Christ. We get together. We know that we serve God, that we get to hang out with him, that he's in control. Every, you know, he's got everything in his hand. Um, and, and then we can share that with the world around us. Not in a condescending sort of way, but in a way that says, wait a minute. You don't need to be afraid. It's, God's got this. But see, here... I, God is not pacing the throne room saying, 
I didn't see that coming. You know how we know? We get to hang out there with him every day. I've never seen him worried once. Never anxious. Never. He's God. He's, and we can trust him. He's good. Always good. The world's a mess. It's broken. Things happen. I'm not saying it doesn't. I'm just saying you can trust him. He's got you. You do not need to be afraid. Could it impact you? Anything could impact you. That's, that's part of living in a fallen world. That's the consequences of sin. But he's got you forever, and, and you don't need to be afraid of what's happening. And so we, we, don't, we should be different. We should be able to encourage in a world that's messed up. Third thing. Last thing he says, as you see the day approaching. And I often think people, you look at and they go, what day? Um, do you know there's always someone predicting the end of the world? I'm amazed at how much this goes on. It's constant and has been constant for generations. Oh, it's the end of the world. Um, last year we had a guy predicted twice, May and October, with billboards all over. And I, people were like, and now this year it's the Mayans, uh, 2012, December 21st. You've probably, if you've been you know, breathing, you've heard that, oh, oh uh, that's coming. And uh, the Mayan calendar runs out. And people all, all just freaked out. I, I did a video on that and posted it on the web two or three years ago. It's gotten thousands and thousands of hits. And you know what my response to them was? Don't buy the t-shirts. Because every site that I went to about the Mayan thing was selling t-shirts. And I'm like, I'm like, that's all they're doing is selling t-shirts. The Mayan calendar runs out and then it starts over again. It's a math equation. It just boom, your starts, your ends, our calendar ends every year, doesn't it? And it rolls over and you get a new one. They had this big, and, and really, I don't mean this wrong. The Mayan calendar lasted way longer than it needed to. You would have think if they were that good at predicting the things, they would have known what Spain was planning on when they came. <laughs> don't you think? And they wouldn't have gone, welcome. <laughs> they just spent all that time building forts and stuff. Anyway, I digress. Um, uh, now, so now, now there's asteroids. If you, if you see, oh, asteroids come. Big asteroids, big asteroids. Uh, asteroids. So, no, here's the thing. No one knows. No one knows. How do we know that? Matthew 24, 36. No one knows about that day or hour, not even the angels in heaven nor the son, but only the father. No one knows. People will say to me sometimes, well, what about this? And I always say, no one knows. How do I know that? Because the Bible says no one knows but God. No one knows. No one. Do you know what no one means? No one. No one. And over and over again, people go, ooh, and everybody gets excited. And guess what? It doesn't happen. It's not going to happen in December. Yeah, I shouldn't say that. Um, unless by some weird wicked coincidence <laughs> that, but you can't be afraid of it and here's, see here's the other thing well two things real quick um, the reason no one knows is that whole process is tied into the Jewish engagement and marriage process um, that that verse is all about and I did a whole study on that about communion and the last supper and the church uh, and Jesus as is the, is the bridegroom and we're the bride and, and it's, a, it's, it's good and I put a link on the top of the website if you go to our website if you're curious there's a whole study there click on it you can watch a video but, so I can't get into it but no one knows but the other thing is that, that no matter what the end thing is not fearful for us See, Jesus is coming back at the end. That's what we're waiting for. If you're, if you're a believer and you got this thing, you, you actually are praying all the time, come Lord Jesus, Maranatha, because that's what, that's what we're dealing with. The, the end thing is, is the Bible calls it great and terrible, but if you're a believer, it's a great thing. It's what we, it's, it's like, yeah. 
So, so we don't need to be afraid. We don't need to buy into the fear that everybody else has. It's not a fearful thing. At some point in his life, Paul, the Apostle Paul, get caught up to heaven. Not sure how it happened, um, but, but he talks about an experience that he had. And uh, I think that if you look in the book of Acts, there's one point in, when he's out in Lystra doing ministry, and, and they actually stone him to, and carry him out of the city thinking he's dead. And then he pops back up once he gets out there. He, and he's either, he's either miraculously healed or he was dead and came back to life, one or the other. Um, but, it, but it's really pretty cool. Anyway, I'm off track again. So anyway, Paul has his experience in heaven. And from that, he's able to say this, Philippians 1, 21 through 24. For to me, Paul says, to live is Christ and to die is gain. If I'm to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. Yet what will I choose? I do not know. I'm torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Paul's saying, look, I've been there. What's coming is so cool, but, but this is fruitful too. This is cool to be here. So he said, I'm, I'm a little torn, but you need to know that there is nothing to be afraid of, to, to to live is Christ, to die is gain. And so whatever that end thing looks like, it's okay. We don't need to be afraid. And so we can approach all this stuff in confidence because God's with us, God's for us, and he's got us forever. So you hold all that intention. And now that we're fo- focused and we know that we have access to the most holy place and we have this new and living way made available for us and we have a life modeled for us by our great priest Jesus, we can hang on to the hope we have no matter what we're going through. We know that he loves us, that he wants us to love him and others and to be thinking how to encourage others and bless others until he comes back. And Lord, come. But until you come, Lord, help us to know how we fit together and the plans that you have for us. And, and having that sort of in next week, we're going to stalk, uh, start talking about getting thankful. So we'll pick it up there next week, but that's enough for today. If you're watching my video, thanks for watching. Uh, uh, if you're on television, if anything we can do, go to our website, check us out, call us, we'll do whatever we can. Thanks for spending the time with us today.